June 14, 2008 is a day that I just cannot forget. It is a day which I don't remember every incident, every hour, every minute of the day, but there are great characteristics and certain characteristics on that day that are just unforgettable. They're just burned into my memory as to what happened that day. I remember waking up really nervous that day. Uh, I remember thinking, man, everything is going to change today. I remember being a day in which I didn't dress the way I usually dress every day. In fact, I was going to wear that day a tuxedo. Many of us know that tuxedo as the penguin suit. I was using a classic tuxedo with the black bow tie and, and, the, uh, and the, the whole you know, nine yards of what the tuxedo was. And, and I remember dressing up for that and just being nervous on that day of getting dressed. I remember getting to the church a little bit early that day, and I remember waiting. In fact, I was waiting quite a while. My bride was two hours late to making it to the ceremony. I was really nervous, and I remember thinking, maybe she's not coming. <laughs> and on that day, after two hours, my bride finally made it. I remember standing up on the platform and uh, being there with uh, the pastor that was officiating, which was also my father, and uh, I, I don't remember all that you know, we really said while we were there on the platform, but I do remember the moment that I saw her walking down the aisle. She was beautiful. And I remember my heart getting a little bit uh, excited, pumping really, really fast, and, and thinking, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm getting married. I remember uh, her coming up to the platform, and then after that, everything's a little bit of a blur. I remember one part of the uh, ceremony, and, and many of you maybe have this in your wedding ceremony, where you exchange money, and it's a symbol of uh, saying that my possessions will become yours, and your possessions become mine. All that I have is yours, and all that you have is mine. Maybe you did that in your wedding ceremony, but I remember... When we were exchanging the money, I remember some of it fell out of my hands. And as I was trying to give it to her, uh, into her hands, some of it fell. And I thought, oh, well, no, no big deal. You know, it's whatever. It's just a couple pennies. And I remember my dad, who was officiating, stopped and just looked at me and waited. And I was like, let's go. Next, let's just get through the ceremony. And he was like, uh-uh. you got to pick up those few little pennies. And I, I just remember thinking, man, he's not going to let me keep anything in this marriage. I mean, every penny is going to her. I remember that. Now, like I said, the rest is a little bit of a blur. I remember going to uh, the reception, and uh, Rochelle wasn't really feeling really good at our reception. And uh, because of that, everybody came to the head table to congratulate us. Normally, I think the tradition is the bride and the groom go to every table and thank them for coming. Uh, but uh, just the fact that she wasn't feeling so well that day, then everybody came to that, uh, to our table and, and, and did that. And and after that, that's, that's about all I remember about that day. Just a few incidents that really stick out in my mind. And as we look at Matthew chapter 8, we're going to see on this incident of the greatest day, the brightest day on human history, we're going to study a few characteristics that really stood out to Matthew. 
characteristics are really pointed to Jesus as being the king. In fact, the whole book of Matthew is written to show others that Jesus truly was the king of kings. That he was the king that he claimed to be. And especially in Matthew 28, as he shares, Matthew shares the story. Excuse me, the story of the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The day that he conquered death. And I want you to notice this morning, the first characteristic, and it's this, that it was a new day. It was a new day. In fact, he starts chapter 28 with this. He says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Now, it's interesting to note that he starts that way. Starting on the brightest day in human history, he starts about what ended first. He said, as it was the end of the Sabbath, dawning towards the first day of the week. He's talking about the fact that what had happened three days prior had ended. The fact that Jesus had given his life on the cross for our sins as he gave of himself to the point of death he said, that has ended. What Jesus did on the cross has been complete. In fact, Jesus himself said on the cross, it is finished. What happened that day had ended all of the system that had been known uh, to man at that point. What happened at that time on the end of the Sabbath is what Jesus and the Bible explains ended in God's dealings with man. And we find that now on this first day, this new day of the week, something had changed. And in fact, not just something, everything had changed. The way that God was going to deal with man from now moving forward had changed. In fact, God made a better way for us. I want you to notice that Matthew talks about one day ending and a new day beginning because really the way that God began to deal with us changed that day. You'll find that as you study the Old Testament, there was always a sacrifice to be made. If you read a little bit about Exodus and Leviticus and uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy, you'll, you'll find there that God instituted a system of how to deal with man and his sinfulness. You'll find that the sinner was to, every year, uh, bring a sacrifice to God called an atonement sacrifice. And this sacrifice was made up of getting an innocent lamb, one that had no blemish, one that had no defects, one that was perfect in every way, and he was to get that perfect lamb, he was to take it to the priest, and the priest was to slay that lamb. He was to kill that lamb by cutting its throat, letting the blood fall down from that lamb. They would put that lamb on the altar, and as the blood was flowing down the altar, then the priest there would make a prayer, and that was the sacrifice that was done to cover a person's sin. So if you ever told a lie, or if you ever uh, said words you weren't supposed to say, if you mistreated someone, if you had done any kind of sin, then what you would do is go get a lamb, go to the priest, and that lamb was going to be a substitute, an atonement, a payment for your sin. And that was the way that God would forgive at that time. And God would say, with the blood of that lamb, I am covering your sin. 
I'm going to put a covering where I will not bring judgment upon you for that sin. It was an act of faith on the part of the sinner to say, listen, I believe that there is a payment for my sin, and that is death, and this lamb is taking that payment for me. That was the old system in the Old Testament. But you see, Matthew reminds us that that system ended the day that Jesus died on the cross. The day that Jesus went to the cross and died, the Bible says he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. You see, when Jesus died on that cross, he became the perfect Lamb. He had no blemish. He had no defects. He was the perfect Son of God. And as he died on that cross on, uh, on that day, that it ended all of the sacrifices. You see, Jesus' blood was not like the blood of those lambs in the Old Testament. Jesus' blood does not cover our sins. Jesus' blood pardons our sins. He forgives our sins. And it makes a better way for us to go to God the Father. You see, Jesus dying on the cross wasn't just an act of covering of sin, but the forgiveness of sins. It made us different. It changed everything. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to notice what the writer writes. He says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that's that first system, that he may establish the second, by the which we, will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body, notice this, of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, that is Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. In other words, this is what the uh, writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying everything changed when Jesus died on that cross. You see, the Sabbath ended, but it was a new day, the first day of the week. That which God had done was done. And now there is a better way to God. And that way is through the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, not only was there a better way made, but there was a bold approach that we could take. You see, we see here a new, a, a new approach that we could take unto God. Just as that day had ended the way that God was doing with the lamb sacrifices to cover sin and making a new way with the blood of Jesus to forgive sins once and for all, now, now this new uh, way, this new better way gave us a new bold approach that we could come to God. You see, as in the old system, you had to go to a priest. Now, this new way was that you and I could be priests with God. We could now come boldly to the throne of grace. We boldly could come to God through the merits of Jesus Christ. Jesus became our high priest so that we could go boldly to him. I want you to notice there, Hebrews chapter 10, going a little bit further, verse 19. He says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by, it says, the blood of Jesus, by a 
new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see... What we find in this new way, on this new day, the characteristic of the resurrection day is this. Listen, you don't have to go through a church to get to God. And you don't have to go through a priest to get to God and confess your sins to some priest. No, you can go directly to God and confess your sins to Him and find forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a new and living way. The first thing that we find, the first characteristic of this Resurrection Sunday was this. It was a new day. God was dealing with us differently because of what Christ did on the cross. But I want you to notice Matthew not only talks to us and speaks of a new day on that day, but he also talks about a new deliverance that happened. A new deliverance. You see, on this brightest day of human history, we find that there were some women that were going to the tomb, going to that sepulcher of Jesus. And what they were going to do was they were going to anoint Jesus' body. You see, during that time, they would put a body into a cave as a tomb. And of course, after three days, the body, after it, it, uh, after it dies, begins to decompose. It begins to uh, uh, decay a little bit. And so the practice and the custom in that day was to go, usually on the third or fourth day, and they were to anoint that body. So those that were visiting the sepulcher would not have to endure a, a smell of decaying body, but they would be able to anoint that body and give some time uh, to mourn and, and, and think about that loved one. And so they were going for that purpose. They thought they were going to see someone that was dead. But then they meet an angel. And I want you to notice what the angel says there in verse number 5. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye. He says, For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. You see, there was a new deliverance that day that happened that had not happened before. It was a deliverance from death. The angel said, He is not here, he is risen. On another account, an angel said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? There was a new deliverance given that day, the day of Easter, the day uh, that Christ rose from the dead. There was a new deliverance from death that was given not only by Christ as he resurrected from the dead, but the Bible says, because he lives, you and I also shall live. Look at John 14, 9. It says there in your notes, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. Jesus said that, speaking about, of course, his death. He says, but ye see me, and because I live, ye shall live also. Jesus told the disciples, you know, on that day that I resurrect and conquer death, guess what? I promise you that you also will resurrect and conquer death. Because I live, you also shall live. 
You see, Jesus had conquered sin in other ways. Jesus, as he was here on this earth, he conquered that sin of blind, uh, not the sin, but the cause of sin. The, the fact that there were blindness and, and that there were those that were lame. Uh, we live in a world that is fallen. And because of the sin in our world, there are consequences because of that. We don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world that even sometimes five and six-year-old children can get cancer and pass away. We see the effects of sin all around us. And while Jesus was here on his earthly ministry, he was, he was doing some miracles of, of making the blind to see and the lame to walk again. But you see, what he did on Resurrection Sunday, he didn't just uh, cure blindness, and he didn't just make people walk again. Jesus that day conquered death for you and for me. Jesus gave us a new hope and a new deliverance. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, death could not hold him down. Death could not conquer him. Jesus resurrected unto new life. We find that he gave us deliverance from death. The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. But he also gave us not only a deliverance from death, but a deliverance to walk in life. You see, when Jesus arose from the grave, he arose to give us new life. We understand today that this life is a new life that we live through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6.4 says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What the resurrection did for you and me, it not only delivered us from the penalty of death for our sin, but it also gave us new life so we could live in the power of the Holy Spirit, with God indwelling us. That is a result of the resurrection this morning. That's because Jesus conquered death, and he said, because I live, you also shall live. He gave us new life. He gave us a new purpose. And today, can I say, if you've not experienced that deliverance, why not make today that day when you experience it? If you never had, had made a decision to make Jesus Christ the reason for your life, if you have not experienced the new life that is found through Jesus and Jesus alone, can I encourage you to make that decision today? Oh, the Bible says this, He died on the cross for you and for me to make that payment, that atonement of, of our sin, to be the substitute to take the penalty of sin for you and for me. But you know, He rose again from the grave to give you and me life. It was a deliverance that was un, unlike any other deliverance He had ever given while He, while he was here. You see... I want to encourage you this morning to make of him the deliverer of your life, the deliverer of your soul. Matthew reminds us, as he tells what happened that day, that there was an angel that said, he is not here. He is risen again, just as he said. I'm simply saying this morning that we find on that resurrection Sunday we find that it was a new day. 
A day in which we could come boldly before God through the blood and through the death of Jesus Christ, through what He did for us on the cross. The raising from the day uh, from the grave, He gave us a new deliverance. Now we have not only uh, 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 conquering over death, not only do we have victory over death, but now we have a new life that we can live. But I want you to notice a third characteristic that Matthew shares with us on that day. Not only a new day, not only a new deliverance, but thirdly, a new duty. I want you to notice there in verse number 7 that he writes as the angel tells him of this new deliverance, of this risen Savior. I want you to notice what he tells these women. He says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Notice how the angel delivers the news of Christ's resurrection and then he gives them this command. He says, now go quickly and tell his disciples. You know, there was something they were to do as a result of Jesus raising from the dead. There was something that they were to do now that they know that Jesus is no longer in the tomb, that Jesus is alive, alive forevermore. There was something that they were to do as a result of knowing that. So what was that that they were to do? They were to go quickly and tell. It was a new duty that they had. They weren't to come and anoint a Savior or a body that was dead. They were now hearing that this Savior was alive, that he conquered death, and in their new life, they were to go and tell. I want you to notice the urgency of that duty. You'll notice that the angel said, go quickly. I don't believe that it's an accident or just a word to fill in some space in that sentence when he says, go quickly. The angel was trying to deliver to them the thought of urgency. Hey, this is important. Women, it's not time to go back home and get ready for the day and get some coffee and, 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 and get ready and, and, and get your makeup on. No, no. The angel said, hey, listen, this, this is too important. You need to go quickly and tell his disciples. Make this the priority of your life. Make this something that is important that you need to do now. You see, this of the resurrection is something that ought to be big and important. He says, go and do this quickly now. You know, it really challenges me as I study that to think about how much urgency do I have about telling others about the resurrection of Jesus? How important is it in my life? I mean, do I go to work with the thought, well, I just got to get through this day, another day, another dollar? Or is it a thought of, man, I'm here. Hey, this is a new opportunity to tell others of what I'm celebrating. You see, I'm not celebrating some old religion with a dead prophet. I'm celebrating the truth with a risen Savior. The urgency of that, the urgency of understanding there are people that are every day, every day, every day dying in their sin. People that are dying and not knowing that there is a deliverance for them. That there is a Savior that died on a cross for their sins and that today He is alive to give them new life. You see, these women were to go and tell 
and have urgency about it. Go and tell quickly, the angel said. Go quickly. I like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1. He said it this way. He said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what Paul said? He said, listen, I don't know where I'm going uh, tomorrow. I don't know where I'll be, but I know wherever I'm going to be, I'm going to be living a life that is urgently telling others about Jesus and that he is alive. For to me, Paul said, to live is Christ. Now that, that's what I live for. I don't live for the glory and the fame. I don't live for the money. I don't live for what the world can offer me. I just live for telling others of what Jesus did for them. Now what a challenge for us this morning to think about how about this last week? How much urgency that we have in telling others and fulfilling our duty. But I want you to notice not only did the angel try to transmit and communicate to them the urgency of this message, but the attitude of it. Notice the attitude that these women had. It's amazing to me because all the angel said was, go quickly and tell his disciples. But as you read the passage there in verse number 8, it says, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. You see, as they were to tell others about what Jesus did as he resurrected that morning, they themselves were going to do it with great joy. They weren't going to say, um, yeah, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Jesus rose from the grave. And they weren't to say, well, I, I don't know, I, 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 I don't know if I'm stepping on anyone's toes here, but uh, I just want to let you know that I, I do believe that Jesus is alive. And I do believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They weren't doing it that way. <laughs> they themselves, they departed with fear and great joy. It was news that they were like, man, I can't wait to tell somebody. Man, I, I'm a little bit excited about what I got to say today. I, I'm a little bit excited about sharing with someone else that, hey, Jesus is alive. He is not in a tomb. He is not dead. But he is alive forevermore. This is something that I'm excited about. I have joy in sharing with others what Jesus did. But I'm challenged once again as I read about their joy to think, what is the attitude I have as I share the gospel with others? Oh, there was fear. The Bible says they had a little bit of fear. There's fear. Sometimes what do I say and how do I start this conversation? But listen, the fear was not about the message. The fear was, well, how do I start this message? But let me tell you, the attitude and the heart behind the message was one of joy. Hey, man, I, I thought, they said, I'm sure they said, I, 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 we just came to anoint a dead person. We found out that he is alive. And now they say, you can go and tell others. And let me tell you, I'm excited to go and tell others. This is something that exci excites me. You know, last night, the, uh, the Final Four had their, their games in college basketball. And it was one of the more important games 
uh, during the college season for college athletics. And if you like any of the teams, either Villanova or Michigan, if you are a fan of either one of those, I guarantee you the time and the moment that they won the game, when the clock was all at zero, listen, they would get on, on Facebook and, hey, my team's in. We're excited. They won. Hey, we got a shot at a national championship. It's our year. We're going to do it. Nobody, nobody got on Facebook and said, oh, well, I mean, I like Michigan, and they won, so... Hope this isn't offending anyone, but they won. I'm a fan. No, they did it with great joy. You do it excited. I wonder, how excited are we to tell others that Jesus is alive? Amen. How excited are we to tell others that Jesus has delivered them from death and given them new life? How excited are we that now we don't have to go to a priest and we don't have to uh, sacrifice some lamb, but Jesus is that sacrifice and he gave us a way to go to the Father through him. And that's what's exciting about Easter. Oh, I, I like getting new clothes and new suits and I like having a time of fellowship with family. But Easter's not about that. Easter's about, hey, there's a new day. Easter is about the fact that there's a deliverance from death. Easter is all about the fact that we have the responsibility to tell others and make him the message of our life. Truly, that Sunday of resurrection was the brightest day in human history. It was a new day, a new deliverance, leaving us with a new duty. I want to encourage you this morning, this Easter morning, make it a point this week to share with others that news. Make it a point this week to make that the urgent message of your life. And I wonder if you're here this morning and you've never experienced salvation through Christ alone. If you've not had that deliverance in your life, why not make today that day? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Oh, there would be so many here this morning that would rejoice with you for you to make that decision on Easter morning. Let Jesus be your Savior. Won't you make that decision today? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that today we celebrate a resurrected Savior. Thank you that today is a new day in which we can come to you boldly through the work of the cross. Father, that we have the promise of eternal life because you conquered death and the grave on that Easter so many years ago. Oh, Father, I pray that this morning as we celebrate this celebration of Easter, that we never forget what it's truly all about. That we never forget the day that Jesus resurrected and what that means for us today. Oh, Father, I pray that you would help us to not only understand it, but then live out this truth in our lives. Oh, Father, I pray for each person in here to make a decision to truly follow after you, to find deliverance in you, and to find in you the greatest joy that could ever be found. Oh, Father, I pray you would work in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 What a wonderful message. What a wonderful challenge. As we stand to our feet, we will be dismissed.